Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, what's going on? It's Ryan. Welcome to another episode of the Best of the DA Show here. Our cold open, Commander's players are afraid of their new offense coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. We have your best audio of the day in soundcheck, including Lance Lynn, who seemingly confirms the stories that the White Sox are a hot, flaming piece of garbage. On top of that, Andrew Bogish sat down with USA Today's Bob Nightingale to talk about the playoff push coming in the MLB. Finally, you have Champ and Chomp and your epic fail. Let's go. We begin back in that NFL. Eric Bieniemy. Still not an NFL head coach, no longer in Kansas City. He is now in Washington running the commander's offense. Maybe his best and last audition to finally get one of those head coaching jobs. And depending on how you process this story, it's either going well or it's not going well at all for Eric the Enemy in Washington. It's where we begin. It's your cold open. Yeah, I mean, they have. And I had a number of guys come to me and I said, hey, just go talk to him. I said, understand what he's trying to get across to you, you know? And I think as they go and they talk and they listen to him, it's been enlightening for a lot of these guys. Again, you get a different kind of player from, from the players back in the past, um, especially in light of how things are coming out of college football. So a lot of these young guys, you know, they do struggle with certain certain things. And you got to understand, we're in a grown man's business. We're in a grown man's world. My job is to make sure that I'm doing the best possible job of over-communicating clarity. I take a tremendous amount of pride in that. They also know when I'm getting on them, ain't nothing personal. What's personal is that I want us to win. I expect that particular player to be great at all times. I expect the effort to be a standard. That's uh, accepted by all of us. So when you're not reaching that, it's my job to address it. So sometimes they may like the highlights and the praise, but sometimes they may not like it. And I'm perfectly fine with that because that's my job. Because if I ain't doing my job, my ass get fired. I don't believe it. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending. It's DA's top story. Here he goes. 
It's your cold open. Uh-oh, in Washington. That was Eric Bieniemy and his new boss, Ron Rivera, in your cold open. So the backstory is a handful of Washington Washington Commanders players think that Eric Bieniemy is too mean and too tough and yells too much. So much so that they went to Ron Rivera to pseudo-complain about their new offensive coordinator, which led to Rivera... A, revealing that, and then B, defending Biennemi yesterday, and Biennemi defending Biennemi yesterday as well, and did so often talking about himself in the third person, which is always a cool trick. So that is, those are the facts. The key is where you go with those facts. There's one of two ways. You go, man, those players are soft. That really, just a couple of training camp practices in, they're so unaccustomed and so unready for another grown man to be yelling at them, not doing a good enough job on the football field, that they went to the boss and complained about it. And then you can certainly keep going back and saying, well, that's why they're the commanders. That's why they have struggled. That's why they haven't been great. That's why they needed a new offensive coordinator. That maybe they're not cut out to be great, to be elite, to win that division, whatever. Or you can go in the other direction and go, this is why Eric Bieniemy is not a head coach somewhere. And whatever it is now, 15 interviews for 14 jobs, 16 for 15, it's a lot. And somewhere nestled in all of those no's to Eric Bieniemy is the bigger problem the NFL faces. And that we discussed that yesterday quickly with Mike Vrabel letting Terrell Williams, his assistant head coach and D-line coach, run the team this weekend in a preseason game, really all letting him have a job audition, basically, trying to push along him and other minority head coaches to get jobs that these guys deserve. And Biennemi has been, he's the guy in that discussion right now. And whatever is built in, racism, ignorance, like those things are in play to some extent with Biennemi. But the, the tough part of the conversation has always been, it's not exclusively that. Part of this is about Eric Biennemi. He has a history of off-field issues that some teams cannot forget or move on or don't want to deal with any kind of PR questions about that. Obviously, some jobs, it was just wasn't a fit between him and the GM and the owner, and that happens. And then there's also the things that we wonder about with Eric Bieniemy specifically as a coach, where he wasn't technically running the Chiefs offense. He wasn't calling plays. He didn't have that experience. And also how he handles his business. And here's a look at how he handles his business is that he's a yeller. Now, the things I appreciated in the story and in the retelling and the rundown of everything was that as hard as his enemy might be and as mean and degrading and demeaning as he might be at times, there's also a lot of loud praise as well. You can be, you can yell. It's not the way I would do it. It's not the way, not the coach I'd want to react to if I was a player. That wouldn't work well with me. But if you're going to yell, if you're going to be mean, if you're going to call guys out, you also need to balance it out 50-50 with telling them how good they're doing. And that's got to be just as loud as the negative stuff is. And that appears to be the way Eric Bieniemy does his job, but it's still loud. There's still negativity. There's still maybe a demand for expertise and execution and commitment. And my first thought was this was more about the commanders that this is about the guys on the roster, that this explains why they've had different types of shortcomings in recent memory. I mean, it's different personnel for sure and multiple coaches, but this has not been anywhere close to a good offense 
since 2017. Five, six seasons of being in the bottom third of both points and yards. So production on offense because of quarterbacks and injuries and bad coaching and bad draft picks and bad personnel decisions have all spun together to make this far from elite unit, which is why Eric Bieniemy is there now. But it's startling to hear in the middle of August, barely, that guys are already bothered by it or confused by it to the extent where they're going to Ron Rivera and saying, why is he so mean to us? It feels like that's about them and not about him, at least from where I sit. But Ron Rivera did talk about yesterday, you know, that Jack Del Rio, who runs the defense, does things differently because Jack has been a head coach and he understands that not everybody responds to the same the same form of coaching. Some guys need to be yelled at. Some guys need to have be hugged and have things whispered into their ear or need the positive reinforcement more than pointing out the negatives. And that Eric maybe will learn that in time, but Eric's been doing this for a long time. You'd think by now, being around the Chiefs for at least for so long and all the different guys who come in contact there, that he'd have maybe a slightly softer hand. And there are a lot of people around the NFL right now who think Eric Bieniemy not being a head coach is more about Eric Bieniemy than the institution of the NFL or GMs and owners. And again, their ignorance, short-sighting racism, however you want to describe it, that this is further proof of why he has struggled to get a job because he rubs a lot of people the wrong way and he's a lot to handle. And maybe as in char- being the head coach in charge of everybody, that's not the voice you want to run your organization. There's some truth in there. But to me, this is more about the commanders and those players not being prepared for this and maybe needing to hear this. And I think somewhere along the way, this will flip into, yeah, we did need that. I'm glad it happened. Boy, what was your first reaction when you read this story yesterday? Who did you think this told more about, the players or the coach? Honestly, kind of 50-50. You know, the the Zoomers, as you like to call them, as we like to call them, Gen Z, this younger generation, has been, um, you know, described as being soft time and time again, that they're just looking for handouts and that, the you know, everybody in college athletics now, if they don't get the playing time they want right away as freshmen, they transfer, they don't know how to deal with adversity, um, but there also is a, a kind of a dark pass for Eric Bieniemy. A lot of off the field stuff, as you mentioned, and then you have that with uh, all the racism that was obviously embedded in him not getting a head coaching job for years. But also, never called the plays for the Chiefs. What was his actual big time role with the Chiefs' offense? Was it game planning? Was it preparation? Was it helping Andy redesign some of the plays? So this is his first big gig now, and he's got a rookie quarterback, a fifth round draft pick. I think this is who a lot of his quote-unquote intensity is about. I think he is on Sam Howell's ass trying to get him ready because he said, you heard Bianami speak a lot, or, and Ron Rivera, a lot of the veteran, or not of the veteran, a lot of the leaders on the offense. Who's the leader on the offense? It's the quarterback, and you've got a 22, 23-year-old quarterback, fifth-round draft pick, rookie, who you're expecting to step up this year. That's who I think he's being a hard ass on more than anything. It's the quarterback, Sam Howell, and maybe he's not responding well to it. Maybe he's not having a great camp. I'm not, I haven't been locked into Commander's camp so far. I don't know how he's been doing on a day-to-day basis. 
but they're basically giving him the job and saying, Jacoby Brissett, you're going to be the backup <laughs> for the eighth straight year in a row running until somebody gets hurt or if Sam Howell's a bust. So I think that's what this is. I think the relationship between Eric Bieniemy, the OC, with the first big leadership role in his life and calling the plays and running the offense and a fifth-round draft pick rookie quarterback, that relationship is essential. It is vital that any success the commanders want to have this year. If Sam Howell does not get along with Eric Bieniemy, who goes, Right. Who's going to go? Are you going to fire the first-year OC? Or are you going to bench the fifth-round rookie draft pick quarterback? It's going to be Howell. So Howell and Eric Bieniemy need to get this thing right. And as for everybody else, um, that's another thing. There's, I know there's a lot of coaches still in today's world where you think, oh, you can't do that with how soft everybody is. It still goes on. And there's a lot of coaches that do not take bleep from anybody or any player So I I do think it comes off initially as, oh, these players are soft. You know, the guy yells too much. You're an NFL player. But at the same time, given B. Enemy's track record, given his past, given the type of guy we know he is, um, like I I said, I think it's 50-50, and I think they need to work together to make this thing work because the NFC East, everybody else is pretty damn good. Eagles defending NFC champs. Cowboys as overrated as I think they are and everybody thinks they are, they still find a way to win 10, 11 games every year and get in the playoffs. And the Giants coming off a playoff appearance last year, commanders are the odd men out right now. And if they don't get this thing right, it's going to be a long year in D.C. And all those good vibes from getting Dan Snyder out the door are going to yeah. dissipate pretty quickly. It's a, and it's such a such a uh, convoluted situation because enemy comes in on, you know, theoretically poised to be a head coach somewhere. Here's his last audition to actually run a unit, prove what he can do, answer any remaining doubts from other teams, and he's doing it for not a lame duck head coach, but Ron Rivera could be running out of time in Washington too. So if things don't go well, is Rivera out and be enemy the head coach there in the very you know short-ish term? As you were talking, there was a Tyreek Hill tweet on our monitor basically telling the commanders, uh, shut up, guys. Get tougher, get to work. I know it's hard. I know it's tough, but it pays off in the end. So there's Tyreek Hill coming to defense of Eric Bieniemy. I think it also said no one has your back like EB either. But this is part of the the confusion, right? And figuring out who gets the credit for the Chiefs because it's Bieniemy and Andy Reid. And there have been other guys that have worked on that staff. And then, of course, there's Patrick Mahomes who can wipe away any issues, overcome stuff. We don't know necessarily where Mahomes and Biennemi were together. There were, you know, there have been rumors about their relationship. I'm now, I don't know, I think five and a half episodes into the quarterback show on Netflix. I just got to the part where DA is featured in it, by the way, which we really haven't discussed in full just yet. And through five and a half episodes, there really has not been any significant mahomes Biennemi interaction. There's been a couple of sidelines Hey, you missed that. We should do this. Yeah, I got you, coach. Go have a good one. There's been no... Andy Reid's been on camera. Other players have been on camera talking about Mahomes. There's been nothing with Mahomes and Biennemi. I don't know if that means anything, but it's just it's hard to know what Biennemi gets credit for in KC because he wasn't the lead offensive coach, and Reid is there, and Mahomes is there. So now he goes to Washington, and you want to tell the commanders, hey, you guys aren't the Chiefs. If you want to be the Chiefs, Shut up and listen to this guy, no matter what he's saying. But 
how how instrumental he was instrumental, but how instrumental was he to the Chiefs' success as he goes to Washington and takes things over there? But I, again, I, I think if depending on how you approach Eric Bieniemy in general, there are things to pull from in any direction from this story. But I think as far as we can sit here today, at least where I sit today, this is 60-40, maybe 70-30 about the players. Because it's not just them you know, wanting to themselves about this. Going to the head coach to be like, uh, this is kind of hard. Could he be nicer to us? Really says a lot. Not necessarily complimentary things about them. presents this program in color. An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck. Welcome back. We're just underway on this Wednesday morning. It's Andrew Bogish in for DA. Pete's here. Ryan Bodgers here. We got a Pat Boyle in the studio as well. You jump aboard at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227, at CBS Sports Radio, at Andrew Bogish on Twitter. It's Wednesday, so champ and chump coming up next hour on the show. Right now, your daily staple sound check, best audio of the day. We begin on the diamond. We have spent some time already this week on this story, just how bad are things in the White Sox clubhouse, we have heard rumors of dudes sleeping in the bullpen, people missing workouts, maybe a slap fight between Tim Anderson and Yasmani Grandal. Lance Lynn is, it sounds, thankfully out of Chicago, now at Dodger. He was on the Foul Territory podcast with A.J. Pierzynski and was asked about those stories coming out of Chicago. Lance, have you, did you see what uh, Keenan Middleton said when he got traded? Uh, I did see what popped up yesterday. Yes. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on that, possibly? Um, I could say this. Let me tell you, I can tell you what Key was wrong about. Okay. We're ready. Mm, I get it. I get it. You don't get it. I get it. So if you didn't get it, Lance Lynn did the trick of, I can tell you what was wrong about that story. And then he didn't say anything because there was nothing wrong about the story. And the story was from Keenan Middleton, another former White Sox player, pitcher, who went from Chicago to the Yankees. He said he was excited to go to the Yankees, gleefully shaved his beard because they have rules in New York. And he was happy to have rules. He was the one that told us about guys sleeping in the bullpen and whatnot. So Lance Lynn basically said all of that was true, even though we were told by the White Sox that the sleeping guy actually had permission to sleep whenever and wherever he wanted because he had sleep issues. So when he could fall asleep, he was allowed to sleep. They didn't tell anybody about that until the other players complained about this unnamed player sleeping at random times in random places. So there's Lance Lynn telling us that the White Sox brass is basically telling us BS and that things are as bad as we thought they were in Chicago. Uh, Let's stick with baseball for a second. This is Jimmy Rollins on TBS and coming off the Astros being at the White House and Joe Biden making bad old man jokes at Dusty Baker. Here's Rollins on TBS sharing a story about Jill Biden and Obama. For a while, Dr. Jill Biden would go to sleep with, uh, I think it was my bobblehead on the side of the bed. Uh During the World Series in 08, she was cold, came to a game, 
And I was like, let's get her a jacket. They went and got any jacket. I'm like, no, get her my jacket. So they gave her uh, that jacket, and you know she's uh, been a fan since. And so not a teddy bear. Speaking of the White House visits, quick story. When I went, it was you know for the uh, championship celebration, and of course you know the president plays basketball. So I was like, well, you know when you gonna give me a chance, you know to post you up. So he, you know, bagged me down. I put that arm in his lower back. You let him know? Nah. Then uh, the security guards let me know. Secret Service, like, hey. Jimmy, I thought about on. it. And I was like, you got it, dog. <laughs> you, got you got it. it. Hey, you got it. Whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. I'm so, hey, Brock, I'm still waiting on that invite, bro. <laughs> That's Jimmy Rollins on TBS. Uh, the Bidens, as I think most of us know, they're from, well, they live in Delaware. They're definitely Philadelphia sports fans, hence Jill Biden having a Jimmy Rollins bobblehead in her nightstand, being at the World Series, Jimmy giving her a jacket. Uh, and of course, Jimmy Rollins wanted to back down Barack Obama. We can get on a roll. We can do well. Uh, Jimmy is as cool as they come, and I don't like being nice to Phillies, but he was a heck of a player, heck of a personality. Uh, and of course, he would have the you-know-whats to try and go one-on-one with Obama at the White House. Finally, the NBA, Scoot Henderson was the third pick in the NBA draft back in June, but he believes via the Playmaker Twitter account that he'll be the number one rookie after this season. My goal, obviously, is to win rookie of the year, and I will win rookie of the year. Never doubting myself, you know, making sure I'm always putting good energy in the air, making sure I'm, I'm telling myself. I'm going to have a great rookie season. You know, I'm not saying I want to have a great rookie season. I'm going to have a great rookie season. I'm going to have a great career. I will have a great career and making sure that's always in um, this past tense because it happened. So here's the bad news for Scoot. Uh, I can't imagine, barring injury, that Victor Webinyama is not the rookie of the year. It's going to take an all-time season from anybody else to jump Webinyama. Unless Victor just can't handle things in the in the NBA, if being seven foot five and 170 pounds ends up being a detriment, uh, that he gets pushed around too much, or he gets hurt, or the spun, the Spurs are just that bad, or somehow he's not that good. But I mean, I don't know what the odds on this would be. Maybe the PB boys know, but you're not winning money on Victor Webinyama winning Rookie of the Year. That's how much uh, of a shoo-in it appears to be as we sit here in the middle of August. But it's good to have goals if you're Scoot Henderson. And he's the player I like the best in this draft after Webinyama. So whether it's this year or not, to me, Scoot's going to be a heck of a player depending on who he's playing with uh, you, with those Blazers in Portland. The PB boys have the odds for you. Of course they do. Courtesy of uh, VegasInsider.com, mm. Victor we- we- Web- Webinyama. Who's that guy? Victor we- Webinyama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Say it slow. <laughs> Webinyama is uh, minus anywhere between minus 120 and minus 140 favorite to win Rookie of the Year, which is, you feel like it'd be higher, but those odds are pretty absurd. So, my son actually asked me the other day what that meant, because it was going on the bottom of the... MLB Network oh, scream. So he's getting into gambling. But not exactly. He's nine. Oh, really? He doesn't have money to bet. But I don't think I explained it well enough to him. So if you are minus 120 or minus 140, what's the quickest way to explain that to dummies like me? The, whatever the minus is, is how much you have to pay to win $100. Okay. And the, on the flip side is that's what you win if you bet 100 Correct. Okay. Always use 100 as the baseline. Okay. So I was right. Although, just I mean, stumbled if you want, through it. If you want to use it with your son and you don't want to, you know, have him start thinking that everybody's tossing 140 bucks on every bet they make, just take the zero off. So it would be $14. Minus 140 is 14 bucks to win 10. I mean, $10, 100 bucks. He doesn't have it. Um, my wife and I have 
morals. We're not going to be the kid in Iowa State and give him a fake yeah, FanDuel well, account. You have it, so you could bet for him. I'm not going to bet for him. be a great school project. Wouldn't it be? You guys could be the AB boys. What's, oh, no. your, what's your kid's name, Jake? Jake, yeah. You could be the ABJB boys. Speaking of the PB boys, though, I, we did have to call right. you out a little bit yesterday, and Bilotti tried to come to your defense, but the last time you were here pounding the desk, bet against the Mets, okay. bet against the Mets, yes. and then they won 11-2 that night. Yeah, and what did they do last night? They lost last night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By only one run, though. A long-term bet. So I, I stick with it. Let it ride. So I, let it ride. So I did. So Monday night, and I said money, money line and run line. I know I said that, and then I realized that the Cubs were basically even odds against them. So I only took the Cubs money line. No, they were minus one thirty-five Monday, I think. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not basically trying to ever lay any juice on a, a money line for baseball. So I only took them on the run line. So I did lose the one bet I, on Monday night. They got crushed eleven two. Last night. I did just the money line because they were only minus 125. Okay. So it was a little bit shorter. So I was like, you know what? I did. I ended up just after I said I didn't. I don't want to lay the juice on just the money line. I did lay the <laughs> juice. Uh, they did win three to two. So one and one on the week. But All we right. still have to cook up a home run parlay here, Pete. I, I tried one myself yesterday. <laughs> it didn't work. Oh, really? <laughs> what were the specifics? Uh, it was bets. Um, uh, Garcia from the from the Rangers and one more, and they none of them hit anything. <laughs> I'm starting to get nervous that we need to give you that number, one eight hundred gambling. Yeah, right. One eight hundred gambling, gambling. Because all of a sudden you like to sneak in often the bets that you are making. Now, again, my assumption is these are two dollar bets because I know right how stingy you might yeah, be. No, there's, there's nothing bets. But they do add up eventually. Yeah. I'm, I, I, we don't need you taking a third job. I guess this is my concern here. No, they choose it's enough, the, Pete. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> I am not a, a compulsive gambler. Okay. Again, Yet. You. <laughs> Yet. Laying the groundwork Yet. for it. By 2072, I'll be there. That's the way right. you're going right when now. When I start going to a dollar, then <laughs> look out, world. Right. When I start using paper money, That's right. I'll start calling numbers. Duh, see? Um, one thing that doesn't help you bet on MLB games is how terrible the umpiring is. We did not spend enough time on Aaron Boone losing his mind two nights ago at Las Diaz home plate umpire. And then yesterday, one umpire. Now, he's a vacation replacement, which means he's up from AAA to fill in for a regular umpire. But he's still at AAA, and not every AAA umpire has the designation of vacation fill-in. So he was deemed a good triple-A umpire, and when, within three innings of a game in Philadelphia yesterday, three of his calls were overturned. The first two were egregious. We'll get to that longer form in just a second. A few minutes of hour number one on this Wednesday morning. Unscheduled, but well-received. Get excited for it. It's Pete versus the body. Take it away. Colin Cowherd is a disgrace to this business and a disgrace to everybody that works in it. All right. All his, all of his takes and all the stuff that he gets factually wrong is a total embarrassment. Yesterday, he said Dwayne Haskins doesn't have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Yes, because the man passed away. So maybe clean up your act. I know you have a big contract. Maybe clean up your act and then get back in the game. That's all I have to say. There are a lot of people in this business that I don't that I don't agree with often. They we have very different takes on things, but those are opinions. 
and you're entitled to an opinion. It's right, it's wrong, it's good, it's bad, but it's an opinion. I will agree that the amount of factual mistakes that that show makes is startling. I mean, it's it's a joke now. Guys on wrong teams, and this one probably is the worst of the bunch because not only did Dwayne Haskins pass away at an unfortunate age, but it was a real story. I mean, he passed away tragically, not because he was sick. Like, he got hit by a truck on the highway after a very well-publicized exit from Washington. I mean, of all the things, you can misplace people or forget that somebody moved teams, but to have to forget Dwayne Haskins passed away to the extent where you put him on a list of quarterbacks that can't win the Super Bowl, that's a lot of people also not doing their job. And Pete's right in that we're just supposed to be better. We're just supposed to be better than that. Like, that's the thing I care about most. I might have a bad opinion on something. You might not agree with me. And then, it, like, I, I would pr- prefer you to agree with me. But if I make a, a factual error, it bothers me for, the, for at least the rest of the day. There's, I don't mean to interrupt, but there's some things in this business lately that there's no standard for anymore. We've gotten lazy, and, and, and that's one of them. Just throw things out and throw it against the wall like Gallagher and, and, and expect us to react. It's, it's a total embarrassment. Right. But even if you're doing, if you're saying like Aaron Rodgers is the 20th best quarterback in the NFL, like, but it, like it, that's right. your opinion, and it might be dumb, but it's at least it's just your opinion. But if you were going to tell me that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are the favorites to win the NFC North right now, you probably mm-hmm. shouldn't have a microphone on in front of you on any radio station, let alone multiple radio stations across the country and on TV show. Correct. Very quickly, me versus MLB umpires. In particular yesterday, I think his name was Lou Williams. He was up replacing somebody who was working first base, Phillies Nationals yesterday, and the same batter, Nick Castellanos had a ball in the third baseline, diving play. The third baseman from Washington threw from his butt across the diamond. Dom Smith at first base catches the ball after Nick Castellanos has crossed first base, and he's called out. And then they throw a pick off to Castellanos. That initial call is overturned to save. Smith swipes the tag, gets Castellanos late. Again, Nick is called out. Again, they go to review. Again, it's overturned. And both times, Dom Smith doesn't know what to do because he knows both calls are horribly wrong and are going to overturn. His stunned look around like, okay, guys, let's be quiet. Nobody mentioned that. The reaction to me is the best part of the whole thing. But if you're an MLB umpire, full-time or vacation, you've just got to be better than that. And now... Let's get started. It doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy. This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA show is stunned to a news. All right, it's 7.42 in the morning on the East Coast. That's 4.42 a.m. West Coast, in case you didn't know that. So how about I make you all hungry? On Sunday, Leo Messi played his first ever game in Frisco as Inter Milan were visiting FC Dallas. Messi's been tearing it up since he joined, but who cares? The, he was upstaged by FC Dallas's new generational menu item, the XL Ice Cream Sandwich. Okay. Toyota Stadium began selling the sandwich. It cost $15. Okay. But it's worth the money. 
You got no bargain for your buck. Bang for your buck here. It features 18 ounces of vanilla ice cream. Listening. And it takes 12 combined chocolate chip cookies to make the sandwich, the cookie bread, if you will. It is massive. Massive. I've seen a picture. It's probably Frisbee-sized. Yeah, uh, it's definitely bigger than a normal hamburger. Yes. Like, if you hold it in your hands, it's huge. What do you call it? Disc golf? I called it frolf when I was in college. Frolf. The the frisbee golf. Yeah, so they're like a little bit smaller than normal frisbees. Yes. It's probably still even a little bit smaller than that, but I mean, like, you know, the pictures that I'm I'm looking at of people holding it in their hands. Yeah. It's huge. Now, a lot of these types of ballpark foods that are are basically challenges. Like, here's an obscene amount of whatever on top of a foot-long or a two-foot-long hot dog. It's made for two people to eat. Some of those are too much. I don't need it. This one, I would pay $15 for in a second. Ice cream sandwiches, delicious. Underrated dessert. Whether you want to go, like, traditional like this, just chocolate chip cookie and some ice cream in between. You want to go fancy, start rolling the outside in some kind of topping, change the cookie, change the ice cream. I'm there for all of it. My only concern with this is, can you eat it before it melts and becomes just a big thing of slop in your hands? Uh, yeah, that would be a question. That would be a challenge, especially in Frisco. I don't think it's uh, very right. cold there most of the year. So especially in August when they did this on Sunday, you got to eat that puppy fast and you're going to feel really crappy about yourself after. Uh, not the only food promo we have to highlight here. Really quickly, last week I noticed the Miami Marlins were jumping. They used a player to highlight a new promo. They acquired Jake Berger from the White Sox at the trade deadline. So to boost ticket sales in Miami in August, because let's be honest, they need it. How about, you guessed it, Burger Burgers. $5 burgers at Lone Depot Park in Miami. They weren't, you know, massive or anything like the XL ice cream sandwich. But it's the price that drew fans in and money. A bucket of chicken tenders and fries will cost you $20 at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. So imagine a burger for 5 bucks, and it worked. In the win last week against the Phils, the Marlins had an estimated 800% jump in burger sales. Really? The, yeah, the team said it sold 2,100 burgers during the game, and that's on a Wednesday. That's a game that had a listed attendance of just over 12,000. So imagine how many people were actually there. Uh, For comparison, the Marlins said they sold about 530 burgers Saturday with a crowd of 32,000. Jake Burger bringing the burgers. Does it still exist or is it done? Was it just that one day? I think it was just that one day. All right. Well, at least it worked for them for one day. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. As promised, now we're talking baseball with Bob Nightingale from USA Today. Bob, it's Andrew in New York. How are you this morning? Yeah, doing well. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate it, Bob. Uh, Let's begin with the Orioles. I'm sure you're not surprised by um, their, I don't know what the right word is, their insensitivity, their bad punishment of Kevin Brown, but it's surprising to me that they haven't fixed it. People really freaked out Monday, now we're Wednesday, and I guess Kevin's coming back on Friday, but should by now the Orioles have said something publicly and apologize and try to move away from this? You would think so. So it looks like they're hoping it just goes away. People forget about and when you have your uh, when you have your crowd chanting for them. <laughs> yeah, not a good sign. I mean, the fortunate part is if this was the old Orioles, like nobody would care. And now the fact that it's one of the best feel good stories in all of baseball, you don't want to be talking about you know a broadcaster being suspended. You'd rather be talking about you know, the team on the field. And that team on the field, first place right now in the AL East. But but how good are they? bigger picture in your mind can they win the american league can they be a world series team yeah they can that's a, i love the fact they uh you know we're all in not all in but at least they went into trade deadline by getting jack flaherty and you know last year they you know traded away guys you know this year they say you know what we got a chance and they do when you look around i mean they were toe-to-toe with houston uh i mean it's houston texas and in Baltimore, you know, probably, uh, you know, right there as far as all, all together. And I, I'm not going to discount Toronto. I think the American League is wide open. Uh, the Rays might have been in that mix, but now Shane McClanahan is probably done for the year with an elbow injury. Um, does that kind of erase all of your confidence in them, or can they still make some noise in October? I think it still makes some noise. Uh, I mean, the they still have a very good chance, of course, when the ALE is just because those guys have been there before. You know, Baltimore guys haven't. And, uh, you know, that's what I think you know, gives, them a, gives them a slight edge before the McClanahan injury. And that's the third guy per pitcher now that's gone Tommy John surgery. Uh, you wonder. And they've only been playing a little bit better than 500 balls since that great start. That being said, I mean, those guys you know, know how to win. They've been to these pennant stretches before. I don't discount them, but that's a, that's a massive blow, particularly in the playoffs. It does feel to me, at least, Bob, that there's a lot of arm injuries for Rays pitchers. Are they doing something different? Do they need to take a look at that? Is that an actual problem, or am I kind of uh, misremembering their history of arm troubles for pitchers? No, you're right. I mean, they, uh, people talk about that in the game. You know, why? Something like these in you know, the Rays, you know, get them, you know, chew them up, spit them out, and we'll, we'll go to the next guy. Uh, but yeah, something funny is going on. Of course, a lot of these guys, you know, they throw, you know, 101, 102 miles an hour. 
you start throwing any other pitches. And it's like, just learn to become a, uh, a pitcher. You don't have to throw as fast as you can and blow out your arm. So, But you're right. It seems like it happens to them more than any other team, particularly any other good team. Bob Nightingale of USA Today is with us here on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Bob, what do you know about how bad things are in that White Sox clubhouse? You know, it's bad. I, you know, I, I, I've talked to enough guys in there. but It's been that way for, you know, for a while now. Guys just aren't happy there and they're losing. Uh, you know, I, I think they need to break that thing up, just, you know, change the mix in there. Uh, you know, I think with the uh, Pedro Garfall walking test situation, and, you know, one player says as soon as Tim Russo left, it was almost like a substitute teacher coming in, just, you know, everybody running amok type thing. Uh, you know, they had rules, but, you know, if a guy broke a rule, it wasn't like he was being harshly disciplined or something like that. So I, I do think they need to change that mix up in there. You kind of start over with, with a uh, you know a bunch of guys because they come across too much as a team that doesn't care about whether they win or lose. Does this problem start at the top? I mean, you can't change the owners, but you need to change the guys who would change the roster to try and fix all this. Well, I think you certainly have to change that mix in the clubhouse. You know, trade those guys away and uh, and start over that way. I mean, it's the same you know, underachieving group, and doesn't matter who's a manager. I think it was very unfair when there, you know, people point their fingers at Tony La Russa, and here he is battling serious health concerns, uh, blaming La Russa for the problems, and then saying, okay, the new guy, Pedro Grafal, who had been passed over, you know, three times by the Royals, will, will you know, fix things. You know, no, that's it, not true. Uh, you know, it wasn't La Russa's fault. You know, some of these guys had to look themselves in the mirror okay, what can I do to, you know, make myself better? Because they've underachieved now, uh, you know, really since since the 2021 season when they won the division by so many games. Bob, the Angels finally won last night for the first time since the trade deadline, but there's still seven games out of a wild card spot. The Red Sox, the Yankees, Mariners, all between them and the Blue Jays. Are the Halos done? Or with Mike Trout kind of coming back soon, is there any reason to hold on to their, their wild card hopes? Well, I think they're close to being done and just such a big obstacle. I mean, they uh, you know, seven back with less than 50 games of play. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough ask. But I, I still do say they do the right thing by keeping Otani and adding on to it because that's the only chance to keep Otani. If you didn't have any desire to keep him or say, okay, I'm not going to spend $500 million, you know, then go ahead and trade him away and don't add. But at least this gives them a chance to stay. I mean, nobody thought Mike Trout would stay either. And he did. So I think the same thing with Otani. I think they have a better chance to keep him than a lot of people think. I mean, if you could put a percentage on those chances, what would it be? 20%, 30 north and you know closer to 50 What do you think the actual odds of him staying in Anaheim are? Yeah, I would say maybe a one-in-three chance type thing. You know, over uh, you know, 33%, something like that. I mean, you think about it, there's not too many teams that are even going to be in the picture offering that kind of money. Uh, you know, they're going to be West. It's going to be, uh, the Dodgers will be there, the Giants, uh, you know, the Padres always spin wildly. Hmm. Uh, so I, I think those teams along with the Angels. So, uh, you know, at least it's got to show them something that they didn't turn, turn them away and they actually added a little bit to the deadline, you know, trying to, trying to help their chances. Bob, when you look uh, at the National League as a whole, is it, 
is it the Dodgers or maybe it's not because they're their pitching rotation, the injuries there. Who's the team that actually could keep the Braves from winning the pennant? I think the Dodgers are the are pretty much the only team. I'm not going to discount Milwaukee because uh, you know, they have Brandon Woodruff back. Corbin Burns is pitching lights out. So uh, I don't discount them because of the pitchers. Uh, but, yeah, Dodgers amazing. I mean, yeah, this, is a, this was a team that wasn't supposed to do anything. They didn't do anything in the free agent market. Uh, you know, pretty much stayed pat at, at the trade deadline. Everybody's giving the division to San Diego Padres. And here they are again. I mean, this was everybody's chance to finally knock off the Dodgers, and nobody did it. Uh, you know, you worry about their pitching. They have a you know, tremendous offense. But, yeah, I think, I think it'll come down to uh, Dodgers-Atlanta, you know, once again with, you know, Milwaukee kind of, you know, lurking around. Uh, and then those Padres, you just mentioned them. They're four out right now. There's a handful of teams between them and that last wild card spot. We've been waiting for them to get going. They still haven't gotten going. Should we keep waiting, or is this the San Diego team that we're going to get all year long where they just can't get over that hump and they're going to miss the playoffs? I don't think anything, anything's going to change. I mean, it's gone on like this, uh, you know, for the entire season. And we're going on five months and nothing has changed. You know, and everybody talked about the Mets with the payroll and underachieving, but I, I think if, if these guys miss the playoffs, I think it's the most underachieving team in baseball history. I really do. They, they're just loaded with talent. I think 11 All-Stars on that team, and you walk that clubhouse in spring training, you know, it, was, it was like the Yankees and Red Sox combined as far as just all the media was in there because of all the stars. But there's no way in, the, in, a, in a weak NL race where, you know, Teams like the Diamondbacks are just two games out after just you know uh, sticking the place up since the All Star break. You know you can't get in, but they're showing no life at all. Bob, when you read between the lines of what Steve Cohen is saying, the Mets are saying as an organization, how do you think they handle this winter and building a team for 2024? I think they'll just do it like a little bit like the Dodgers last year in the Asian market. Just be very modest. It's being particularly you were talking about. Okay, we're not going to win in 24. We're gearing up for 25 and 26. All they said is, you know, we, we hope to have a, a, a competitive team. So I, I think they'll stay out of the free agent market. You know, and I, include, I don't think Otani is going to go there anyway. You know, but that includes Otani and, and some of the big name, uh, you know, free agent starters. I just don't see them jumping in there, you know, not after what they've done. Uh, I think it would be interesting what they do with Pete Alonso. I, I think they'll make him available. And, and see what they get in return. You know, if they're going to sign with a contract extension, they certainly would have done so by now, particularly when they're signing everybody else last month. Yeah, and I'm also wondering, too, if, if Pete wants to be a Met long-term, like maybe that's the problem here is that they know that he wants to go go somewhere else because we're sitting here in New York, and that is now the, the question surrounding the Mets is what do they do with him? And like you just said, more and more kind of makes sense at the very least explore what could be out there for him in a trade. Yeah, and I think if somebody really wanted him at the trade deadline, you know, it would have been a high asking price that they would have moved him. Obviously, you're dealing with the, uh, a fan favorite, how popular he is and stuff. You know, we don't know what he's seeking to for an extension. But I just I did find it odd that when they were trying to lock everybody else up, uh, bring back their free agents and, you know, add on, that there was never any talk at all about, hey, what about Pete Alonso? 
Uh, Bob, last thing, uh, we had Aaron Boone flipping out the other night at Las Diaz, who has often gotten the ire of managers. Uh, we had the guy in the Phillies-Nats game yesterday have three calls overturned uh, almost back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, and I know he was a vacation replacement. But um, does does MLB think its umpires are as bad as we do on the outside? Do they think it's a problem that needs to be addressed, or are they kind of cool with uh, the crew of guys calling games these days? No, I think they think everything is fine, and, and I mean, you hate to see you know calls overturned like that, particularly last night by the same uh, you know young umpire. But you know, all their uh, scores and everything else, and the umpires never been better. Uh, you know, I you know the umpires still complain about that box on TV, right? Saying that's not exactly right, and uh, you know, I think it does get uh, you know it frustrates the umpires and everything else. Like okay, if this is the strike zone, you know, swing the bat. Uh, I think too many people are you know complain like okay, the ball's you know a tenth of an inch outside. You know what's wrong with just swinging swinging the bat and trying to get a hit instead of everybody looking for a walk? Uh, I know I've never seen so many people excited to get a walk in my life. You know, try driving <laughs> some runs. Uh, you should have seen me as a bad high school hitter accepting all walks thrown my way. That was better than me making an out. <laughs> Uh, Bob, as always, we appreciate the info. Thanks for getting up for us. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure. All right, look forward to it. Thank you. Of course, that's Bob Nightingale, USA Today, as we spin around the diamond. Uh, approaching the midpoint of August, there are, as he said, about 50 games left. That's a lot of baseball, but it's also not a lot of baseball. And if you know, the, you're the Padres or the Angels or anybody else on the periphery just hanging on to that wild card chase, it's time to finally get it in gear before there's no games left for you to make that charge that we've been waiting for you to make here all summer long. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t 
No one knows what analytics is. They think it's like a bunch of nerds doing math, which I don't know, maybe that's what it is. It's time now for the Mothership's Advanced Analytics. Well, Pete wanted you to say nice things about him, and he basically got his wish. He came up with today's poll question. Who is the Andrew Kaplan MVP of the show today? Myself, Pete, Boyle, and Botcher were the choices. And Pete and Boyle, the PB boys, as I'm looking at it right now, are tied with 31% of the vote apiece. Oh, doctor. That leaves me in bronze medal position with 26% of the votes. And then Ryan Botcher matching his age, just 12% of the votes (laughs) as show MVP today. Let the record show that I voted for Botcher since he booked both Richard Deitch and Bob Nightingale. And that's more work than any of the three of us did combined since yesterday's show ended to get ready for today's show. Advanced analytics will tell you, and maybe you should have voted for me if I tell you this, I scored 19 points as a sophomore in JV basketball. 19 points for the season, not in a game, but I did score just one as a freshman. So unofficially, going from one to 19 points is a New York City high school record in terms of percentage increase from season to season. How about that? That's according to me. Pete is a big fan of desk plants. Ryan gave up playing sports at the young age of 15 to become an assistant coach in high school, working on chef staff, I believe, and Boyle is allergic to penicillin. That's right. And speaking of Boyle, he is not allergic to Hawaiian shirts. Your epic fail is Boyle on Island Time. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic feel. I told uh, Crystal Presti down the hall, I am on island time. <gasps> Still. Well, is it a post-vacation thing or just a general life just decision? Just a general life decision. Okay. I'm always on island time from now on, Bogues. I'm not going to get angry about things. I'm, yeah? Yeah. Aunt Joni, she got me steamed up the other day. Maybe Pete. it's because Aunt Joni is a... I'm a cool guy now. I'm a chill guy. So How long does that angry. last? So not, uh, 9 a.m. Eastern? Now... Is there a formula to the to the number of buttons you have unbuttoned on that shirt? Or is there a, a geographical I, I mark to, on I your chest? To, I try to tiptoe the line of what is acceptable. Oh, yeah. And I think you're right at that line, correct, Pete? I mean, one more button would be unacceptable. <laughs> this one is barely acceptable. <laughs> he, always, he always has one thing every day. Honestly, the thought <laughs> process was if I undo this next button when you're I basically see our naked. boss today, later this morning, is he going to say something about it? Now, he's going to call you a beta loser. <laughs> a beta? Why would it be called a beta? For Whatever sure, popping the chest, letting the Come chest pop, beta. Pete. Come off as a loser. Mm-hmm. I think you can go one more button. And you just did. I just did. Great. Party. It's a party now. Shoes are off. Help! It's a pina colada Wednesday. How about I take it down another button, baby girl? Help! Why don't you oil up this chest? Help! Wow. Nice. Watch DA.com numbers. YouTube numbers going to peak right now. Nice. Dipping. Nice and slow. Roxy in San Diego just passed out. Moist pork just passed out. (laughs) (laughs) Moist pork just threw his iPad in the river. However he's watching just got tossed out the window. That goes Shlomo's Expo hat. (laughs) (laughs) It's down over his eyes. Tell me when it's over. (laughs) Cover your eyes, Shlomo. Put it on. Put it on. (laughs) 
Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. Uh, don't forget a brand new PGP should be in your podcast inbox, if that's a thing. Uh, in a little more than an hour from now, we'll tape it after the show. Me and Pete, me and Botcher. Tomorrow on the show, it's me, it's Pete, it's Ryan, it's a Peter Schwartz appearance. He's here on Friday as well. Thanks to our guest this morning, the one and only Richard Deitch of The Athletic, the one and only Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Uh, while Pat and Pete shared the Andrew Kaplan MVP of the show today award, uh, a quick write-in push from Moist Pork, who did so much to make today's show possible. So we thank him, as always, for his contributions. I believe Pete is still on the wheels of steel, so I thank him for that. Thanks to Botcher, thanks to Boyle, thanks to you for listening and or watching. Enjoy your Wednesday. We will see you on Thursday. The Mothership Disconnects. The host would like you to unmute your microphone. It's interesting because... Star 6 to unmute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.